This is the Digital Dish. This podcast is hosted by Julia Frazier and Michael Vick, two veteran digital learning facilitators. Listen to us unpack digital trends, dissect favorite tools, and ponder over new ideas and their impact in today's classroom. We love Google, efficiency, and sharing information. Stay tuned for the bantering, the debating, and the discovering of new technology in your classroom and beyond. Hey everybody, Michael Vick here with... Julia Frazier. And we are coming to you from my house at 9 p.m. Oh, it's so late. This is the latest podcast we've ever done. It is so late for me. I'm so tired. I've yawned about 37 times and I've smeared mascara all over my face. I've noticed. (laughs) Just just imagine that view, if you will. But this is the digital dish. I'm glad you caught that. I wasn't really sure how to jump into that. Yeah, we kind of we kind of jumped the gun and just started talking about how late it was. I think um, last time we were talking about was it like how early we've done it like this is really early and then we had that as an excuse and now it's like <laughs> It's really late. Now we're having that as an excuse. So we're just excuse-making kind of people, apparently. We, we are just having to do with how tired we feel. We yeah. feel tired early in the morning. Yeah, I've been I, up for a if, long time. If I filmed, filmed, if we recorded this at noon, I would feel tired. Yeah, would be like, oh, I'm so hungry. <laughs> it's making me really tired. <laughs> we yeah. are back after, you know, we gave you kind of like a little teaser episode. It was a full episode, but teaser as in we dropped it and then we disappeared for a while. Yeah. Well, we've, we're just realizing how hard it is to do this completely on our own time. Yes, and not having any built-in office time to work on it we scheduled a couple of meetings and i got sick for one of them or we had to you know family things came up i have children things you know things happen (laughs) so we finally got it together (laughs) we hope it doesn't take this long next time yes we're really hoping yeah to come back more frequently but we do apologize for the mini hiatus but yeah it's we are fully prepared that word weird hiatus yeah but you, you said hi Atis. Like you put a pause in there. Aww. But we have a should we tell them what the theme is for this show? Yes, we have an excellent theme for you. Yeah. And that is going our theme for this week or for this episode is going to be work the work smarter, not harder episode. We are gonna come at you with some tips and tricks for working smarter, not harder within your teaching as far as digital learning is yeah. concerned. So well, hold on, wait, let's let's pull the curtain back. So like we we kind of like, hey, let's have our podcast. What do we want to talk about? This has been on my mind. This has been on my mind. And after we just kind of jo- started brainstorming and jotting all that stuff down, we're like, you know, all this stuff follows a theme. And it's the work harder, not smarter theme. And so so it really is like a genuine name for the show that was organically. Com- or Yeah, made. organically uh, grew from our minds. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Organic grown. Organically grew. <laughs> so, um, oh, you said like gr- like grown? Is that the mm-hmm. word? I thought you were like grew. Like we put a groove. No, in it. no, 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 not groove. Uh, but I do like the organic groove. That is the cr- organic uh, groove that was grown from our minds. Sounds like a terrible band name. It does. The organic groove. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like it though. So, we're going to kick it off with just a, a few little updates. So, how yeah. has it been for you, Michael? How's Frisco going? Yeah, well, I mean, we're like six weeks in, six weeks this Friday. And, uh, you know, I just noticed things here and there that are a little bit different than Louisville. And, you know, the biggest thing is my school's, well, okay, the Career Center is kind of a totally different game. But, like, comparing middle school to middle schools, 
Uh, my middle school is not one to one yet, and mm. and you know like it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I'm sh- yeah. I mean there there are lots of carts, and I don't know. Most of the time, teachers who want to get a like a, a cart or whatever of Chromebooks, they can most of the time. But you know just the I just not having them there. Not and not having t- kids with them, right? It just because you got to plan a little, and we all know how hard it is to you know plan ahead for those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just it's just a, just especially different. yeah. Some of my best ideas were spur of the moment inspiration. So yes. if you have, to, have planning ahead, can can kind of sometimes put the damper on that creativity yeah. chip that we all have in our brains. And it kind of like it changes the. Like when you, when you think about your lesson plan, when you think about it, it's almost like there's a back when I was in the classroom and my class went one to one. My whole thinking shifted to like, oh, I can do this lesson with the iPad. This is what they can create when they do it, or this is how I'm gonna get this information to them. Mm-hmm. And it's like it just became part of my classroom and part of my, me as a teacher. Whereas now it's like they that's more of a oh, you know what? I could do the same thing I was gonna do with a computer, and it might like up it a little bit, up the mm-hmm. lesson, up the learning a little bit, but most of the time it's not like the lesson. Yeah. And that's and that's just different. It's just very different. Now next year my school is going one to one. Oh nice. And so Chromebooks? I mean, it's yeah, it's like it's a little bit different. So they're gonna go and there are some schools, like about half of the schools are one to one. So just talking to some of the other um, digital learning coaches. They are the way it works is every teacher has enough Chromebooks in their room to cover whatever their largest class is. Got it. And so it's not like the kids don't take them home. They just it stays in the rooms. And you know, I I I'm kind of I can go both ways on that. Yeah. There's a lot of evidence to show how ownership helps you learn something and want to learn it and personalize mm-hmm. it and 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 that goes way. But I also see like. Students taking their iPads in Louisville and just doing non-educational things on them all right. the time, and so I can, I see both ways, both sides of this argument. Yeah, I definitely, you know, when I, I talk to people who ask me what my job is, who aren't educators, right? And you're, <laughs> first thing you do is like, I'm a teacher, and yes. then you hope it just goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I say I'm a teacher, oh, what and do you they're teach? like, Oh, what grade do you <laughs> teach? That's the first thing. Because I'll, I'll usually say, oh, I, I'm an elementary school teacher or I teach elementary school. And they'll, oh, what grade do you teach? Oh, well, I'm an instructional technology facilitator. Actually, some people call it a digital learning coach because half the time they look at me like they don't know what I'm talking about. And, and that I, helps, digital <laughs> learning coach, because no, I, I just, get that too. <laughs> I just think, I don't know. And so I go into my spiel and I explain to them how, you know, Louisville, we're one-to-one with our devices in 4 through 12. So my job is very helpful for implementation of devices and they always say oh my gosh you guys are one-to-one with ipads you were so lucky and we've been one-to-one with ipads for such a long time that i i sometimes i forget how lucky we are to have those devices and how lucky the kids are to have such access to those tools and how they are sometimes underutilized and what ways we can use to kind of reshape the way education and teaching is delivered because we have such great access to tools whereas if i were to go to an environment where there wasn't a one-to-one i i I would be like hmm you know what i mean yeah it's it's tough which to be fair we're not one-to-one in pre-k through three so i'm kind of got one foot in each door the middle schools that i was at when i was in louisville 
even though they the students could have had their iPad, they didn't bring them or they didn't pay their warranty, and it wasn't like a teacher. You talk to any teacher, and they said the main issue is not all my kids bring their devices, and they need yeah. supplemental devices. I mean, in their classroom, that was the main issue with, or I should say, excuse that mm-hmm. a lot of teachers used. I don't want to say excuse. That was a hurdle. We'll, mm-hmm. call, we'll call it a hurdle. You know, I want. I will say though, like my daughter's in fourth grade. They just got their iPads, like a, couple a month, weeks like, ago. Yeah, yeah, not 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 even a month ago. Deployment was in September and, or beginning just, of September. And just like seeing her, what her teachers do, and I I talked to administration there too. She goes to Wellington, and I talked to administration too. I'm like, what is the opt out rate? Because I just, I wanted to see what it's like compared to you know what I used. And they're like, oh, we might have a few. Like mm-hmm. out of yeah. out of over a thousand students, yeah. well, fourth and fifth graders, but you know, still same thing. Yeah. And it's like that. That's so awesome. And and just listening to the teachers, this is a tool. You're expected to have it charged. You're expected to do your homework on it. Like that is a beautiful thing. Yeah. I I was pleasantly surprised. I I did not anticipate that happening, but it totally has. Yeah, it's great. I tell teachers all the time: if you are not using the device then kids do not think it's an essential part of their learning. So they might not bring it. Make the device an essential part of the learning. Make them realize that they're missing out when they don't have it. And that is going to be something that they will bring just as readily as they would bring their own cell phone Mm -hmm. to class. You have to make it integral. Are you always going to have a few that don't do follow the rule yes of course there's always mm-hmm. exceptions to the rule but it yeah. really they really need to see that device as an integral part of their learning for it to become valuable right yeah you know i think like i remember when i was in i was teaching eighth grade and the one-to-one started in sixth grade and so i saw it coming sixth grade and so and just talking to those mm-hmm. teachers and i remember when it got to me and we went to one-to-one it was like I was excited. Yeah, I was like, finally, like I can actually plan lessons around this, and I, I just really, I really like that challenge. And yes, but you know, I also think it's important for us to consider that we, obviously, with our jobs, we are digitally minded people. Yes, so I mean we, it's a big reason why I ended up right, here. Right, right. So we're going to think about that. That tool doesn't isn't something that I felt I ever needed to work to incorporate. My brain already wanted to incorporate it. So that mm-hmm. wasn't a hurdle for me. Right. So for some of us, it's it's rethinking the way we think about the tool, which is a lot of thinking I put in there, I realize. Mm-hmm. But rethinking the way we view the technology so that it's not something we have to force to fit in, but it's something that we feel the lesson cannot go on without. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of training and a lot of reflection and learning. And risk risk taking and failing. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's a lot of deep thoughts there with your update about Frisco. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's just very interesting. Very interesting. I mean, really, the whole hierarchy is different, too. Like, just the fact that I only have, you know, two schools is very different. I'm more involved. I can... I'm more on demand, I guess I could say. Even though the teachers probably wouldn't say it. (laughs) But they they don't feel it. But I'm like, if only you knew. You could be in the classroom every day. And people would still want more because it's a 
it's valuable essential. resource that yes. you can provide them with. Yeah. And I wish I could do that too. Like I really mm-hmm. wish that you know I could make that happen. Anywho, so uh, yeah, I mean that's kind of. The update, you know, I, I also wanted to uh, give a shout out to my assistant principal, Josh Stamper. He does this uh, Aspire podcast, which is about um, becoming a leader, what a leader is, and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Awesome. It's really cool. And um, he actually did a, um, a, he co-hosted a podcast with Jeffrey Bradbury, who does the teacher cast. He does a lot of podcasts, but the, on the teacher cast one, it's like how to be a tech coach. And uh, he gave me a shout out, and I thought Aww. that was really cool. So, because you're the bomb.com man. Yeah. If you That's haven't awesome. listened to Jeff Bradbury, I mean, he has a lot of really. I'm sure you can find one of his podcasts that yeah. will fit what you're looking for. I mean, for me, it's how to be a tech coach because that's what I am—a tech coach. Right. Same thing for you, and so that's the one I listen to. But he has a lot of them out there. Absolutely, a lot of them. pretty sweet. Jeffrey pretty Bradbury. sweet stuff. A lot of cool YouTube videos. From him too. Nice instructional videos. Nice. So, what about you? What's new with you, Julia? Busy. That's, I mean, not that that's new. I'm just very busy. Mm -hmm. Um, I added five new campuses. So I didn't realize it was that many. Yeah. So I, I have three campuses that were the same for me and then I've got five new campuses. Okay. So like your total, you didn't add five total. No. You just, five of them happened to be new. Five of them happened to be new. I added. still a lot. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I have nine campuses total. Um, so that's definitely different than, (laughs) than Frisco. Um, and with five new campuses, you know, I think I was getting a little spoiled there because I had been at all of my other schools for four years and Mm -hmm. I had solid relationships and the teachers knew who I was and they knew how to get in contact with me and they knew how I worked. Um, and moving to new campuses where they had a different ITF who maybe did things differently and they're not used to the way that I do things has been interesting. Um, I'm very fortunate though. All of my campuses have really embraced me and have been very friendly and I've been busy from day one at all of my new schools, but it just reminds me of the importance of working towards building relationships if you are working in any kind of coaching role. And that's a lot of open and clear communication as far as when I'm going to be there. They probably get sick of seeing my emails, but at least they always know when I'm going to be there and how they can reach me. I I don't know, like... I don't know if they're really getting sick of it. Like, you think back to, like, or, or even emails you get, it's at worst... You have to, you just push delete. I mean, <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's the worst case scenario. It's not really all that annoying. It's just more like you really want them to do more than just push delete. Right. <laughs> that part's annoying. <laughs> yeah. So just a lot of emails, a lot of... Um, so do you, do you send out like a weekly newsletter? I don't send out a weekly newsletter. No. I send out newsletters when, I, when I've when i kind of stockpiled a... Info. Info <laughs> that I feel needs to be shared in one place. Cool. So I did a lot beginning of the year, one on e-portfolios and, and stuff on passwords and just that kind of stuff. I'm about due for another one. But I send out weekly emails about like my three-week snapshot, where I'm going to be for the next three weeks, how they can reach me. I send out reminder emails when I'm going to be on their campus the following week and then the next day. So I'm always emailing so that they can so my teachers can find me and know another important thing I think is just being visible like I don't I work in the library typically I I say I work I drop my stuff in the library and that's where they can find me if they need me um the library is typically a central hub on the campus and that way they know where to go I'm not hidden away a lot of the times teachers will walk by and be like oh 
Yeah. I have a question to ask you. So that's nice. And then just walking the halls, popping my head in, trying my best to answer every question, even if it's not necessarily in my job description, and pointing them in the direction of who they can ask if it's something yeah. that I can't help them with. Well, you're a former teacher, too. Yeah. I, I mean, really... First, right? You're a teacher right. first. And right. so, absolutely. You know, it really is nice to just kind of go back and answer some of those questions. How did mm-hmm. you do this? What did you do to manage mm-hmm. this? Or, yeah. Yeah, the managing of the devices and all that kind of stuff and pointing them back to the people who they can get more information from. So, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, it's been great. I'm, I'm, Happy being busy. Much rather be busy than twiddling my thumbs. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Makes the days go by faster for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's true. Anyway. So, yeah, back to our, our th- that's, that's the update with Michael and Julia. <laughs> yes, since you've been away from us for so long, oh, we had to prattle on about ourselves for a bit. I've learned so much. <laughs> <laughs> we save all this up for the podcast. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we are going to bring it back to working smarter, not harder. And we've kind of got some... We've got an what brought us here, like what brought us mm-hmm. to this moment to thinking about working harder, not smarter. And then we're going to kind of break it up into three sections, positivity and attitude strategies and utilizing resources that are kind of are what we the mindset we think t- teachers should take for working harder, not smarter. So, Michael, what brought us here? Yeah, I mean, I just observing you know being my first year I've just I've become like just a really good listener I remember when my first year in uh, Louisville too where I just I, I was I did a lot of listening watching observing and you know I just I see like there are a lot of changes that are happening at my school um, a lot of requirements and it's really hard on teachers and it really puts a lot on them and I and I've noticed some teachers who have really taken it on and asked for more like it's it's a pretty huge, it's it's very refreshing to, to be with a teacher and they ask like, not even like a basic question. They, they start with like, hey, I've tried this and this and this and I just, I want to I wanna make it better. Like that, that positivity and just that general eagerness to want to be better has been monumental for those, for me, just kind of helping them and, and, it's, and then also... I can tell in their classrooms, like the kids want want to give them more. Mm-hmm. Like they're excited to give them more, and they're eager. Like I saw kids showing up at lunch because they wanted to like move past like the basic lesson. Right. You know, it's it's really cool to see when a teacher takes that extra step and handles it. You know, it's absolutely. Like, and instead of like sometimes I, I go work with a teacher and it's like I'm really I know I could take us to this next level up, but I don't. I, if I go there, I think I might lose you. Like sometimes. And sometimes you're there, sometimes you're there, but like if you just kind of change your mindset a little bit, I think you could you could take on a lot more. Yeah, there's no, there is no question about it. Teachers are overworked and they're, well, they feel the, yes. the strain of their job, and I understand that completely. And the, and the kind of first, like you said, I think it comes down to being a risk taker and taking on that that mindset in a positive way that not being afraid to fail in a positive what is it fail first attempt in learning mm-hmm. because you learn from it and the kids learn from it so i think that taking those risks and being positive about it and when something doesn't work out just being like oh my gosh 
Yeah. <laughs> well, that didn't go well, did it? Let's come back yeah. to the drawing board you and try again. You learn way more when you failed and yeah, you succeed. Yeah, it, it really, it helps you and it helps the kids see we're all just human. You know what I mean? We're just mm-hmm. all trying to figure it out together. Mm-hmm. And some kids take things so hard that being able to see that and somebody mm-hmm. that they look up to and admire is so, so important. I remember one year, I think it was like my second year in the classroom, I asked this question. I said, is it important to be perfect in math? And I, I, I always started off the year with like a form just to kind of see where my kids were and what their thoughts were about math in general. And it was very interesting. My on-level kids, my regular kids, they were, eh, no, not really. No, it's, it's nice to be right, but it's, I don't have to be perfect. But like across the board, my pre-AP kids, perfect, perfect. It has mm-hmm, to be perfect. has mm-hmm. to be, oh my gosh. Yeah, and it was like, man, I felt bad. I'm in so much stress on a late yeah, grader. Yeah, I know. I, it's, uh, and they start thinking that way so young. And mm. so, you know, when we're when we're trying to work harder, or I'm oh, sorry, harder, not smarter, work smarter, not harder, we want to make sure that we first think about the attitude with which we're approaching the work. Right. Doing something that you might feel uncomfortable with but doing it with a smile and maybe a laugh makes the task a lot easier than if you're just sitting there grumbling and being like I don't want to do this right now the yeah. whole time yeah I mean a lot of that also has to do with just time management knowing your limits too mm-hmm. you know I remember I, I really set out to like make a video of every lesson and have like it two weeks ahead of time and that just got to be really stupidly overwhelming. Yeah. And so I just did things like, all right, I'm going to record this little episode of how to do this assignment with my first period class. Yes. And and I used um, Edger Creation so I could pause it. And I said, if anybody has any questions, feel free to ask it out loud while I record. But if you don't want to ask it out loud while I record, just raise your hand with one finger up and I'll pause it. And then we can talk about it. Like just yeah. doing little things like that. And you know what? They saw how to make... A screencast, how to do that. And that is like a skill that I don't know where else they're learning that. Right. I, I always think back to the beginning of the year, like at the, the, the weeks before school started. And I always sat there and I had my list of, you know, okay, this is everything that I'm going to do this year <laughs> in my classroom because I'm going to be the best fourth grade teacher that there is. And I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And it's going to be perfect. And we're going to live in harmony and kumbaya land. And it's going to be amazing. And then that first couple of weeks come and go, and I haven't done everything that I had on my checklist, and then I feel like a complete failure Mm -hmm. for not completing the things that I wanted for myself to have a great classroom when the opposite should be true. You should start where you feel comfortable and then build on that one at a time that's a great strategy, just building on it one at a time. Don't try to do everything at once. Mm-hmm. Do what's manageable and then right. take on more from there. And then you feel success, not failure. Right. So what right. are some other strategies we can do for working harder? Oh, why do I keep saying that? For working smarter, not uh, harder. Because we're working at 930 at night. <laughs> Probably. Do as we say, not as we do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, no, so some strategies that, like, I would recommend is, you know, a lot of teachers seem to, like, try to make the classroom the way it was and also the way they want it to be. Like, you, when you have, you can have assessments in a way that doesn't involve paper and pencil and new grading or, like, having your kids write an essay and 
you have to sit there and read 100 essays. You know, there's other ways to assess. Like you can do some peer review on some of those essays. You can, you can have a rubric. You can give some audio feedback. Do comments on a Google Doc. Mm-hmm. You know, and and also like the test doesn't need to be a test all the time. You know, some of the most powerful math. Um, assignments that I did where my students had to explain something to me in a video or a screencast because they're creating something and I really got a deep look at their thinking. Absolutely. And, and, and there's, I, mean, I just, I said this earlier too, but there's also some extra technology learning in there that's going to help prepare them for their future. There's a reason that when I'm recommending a tool, I don't recommend a tool that is a quote unquote one stop shop where it's only going to be used in math or it's only going to be used in language arts or it's only going to be used in reading. I recommend creation tools because creation tools can be used in any content at any time and they allow children to express their thinking and express their learning in a way that is sometimes more creative but just sometimes more accessible than the traditional assessment. I also think it's more realistic like how often when was the last time you took a test um i don't even remember i guess i probably took one in grad school like in a developmental class or something like that i mean i took our our compliance training test yeah but that wasn't really a test test it was in grad school i'm sure i don't even i know i wrote papers in grad school right when was the last time you created something uh, today right now <laughs> this see, moment see yeah. what i'm saying like this is this is what's going to be asked of, of our students too to create things and so it i don't think it's all that difficult to expect this from your students i think it's, i think you should expect this of yourself yeah as a teacher so when we're when we're creating things you know looking at because creating, if you're not comfortable with it, can seem like a daunting task in and of itself. But the smarter aspect to this is use your resource, like talk to your mm-hmm. colleagues, talk, you know, you work with a partner, combine classes if you mm-hmm. if you have the possibility mm-hmm. to. Do some cross-curricular stuff. Yeah, some cross-curricular stuff. We are so fortunate that in Louisville, um, at least in the element, I can speak specifically to the yeah. elementary world, of course, always. Yeah. I will speak to secondary in a moment. <laughs> yes. We have partnered with our curriculum departments and have already put in curriculum tie-in pieces that use technology in the curriculum. And so there are ready-made stations there already, or ready-made performance assessments already that use technology in them so you're not even having to recreate the wheel you just need to know who to ask to find the piece that you need oh yeah no exactly yeah that's what, about, that's what i was going to say with secondary too we did the same thing we met with mm-hmm. curriculum and then uh well in lewisville we did in fresco that, that's kind of still getting started that's still going but i mean i i know i've already had conversations with our curriculum department about like how we're gonna how we can make this happen with technology mm-hmm. so yeah anyway and, and I think also you know when I was um, when I was in the classroom I found it incredibly rewarding to do some project-based things I love PBLs now I, now I will say my, my school's lower school scores were not all that great and so initially it was kind of tough to get them ready for the test let me say it that way i mean that's really mm-hmm. what it was what mm-hmm. you know our cbas and stuff and getting that and that was hard but the learning was just so awesome like and it wasn't learning that can be tested and that I, how unfortunate it was i had to kind of do a little bit less of that later on in the year so i could 
you know, have them perform well and they're starting to actually move on to the next grade. Right. But, like, you know, they they learned so much about, like, how to collaborate with a group, how to, like... We were watching Shark Tank so they could find out, like, how to really assess the risk on something. Like, we learned percentages. We we learned, like, just different assessments. Like, so if someone says, I'll give you $20,000 for 20% of your profits, like, what does that really mean they're valuing their profit at? I mean, and, and really you have to convince somebody of this. And I don't know if anybody's ever seen Shark Tank, but, like, yeah, it's great. this is what we did. We had a little mini in-class Shark Tank and the... The principal had to like approve this fundraiser and like it was it was pretty awesome. PBLs really bring it back around to when the kids ask that age old question, when am I ever gonna use that again? Mm-hmm. PBLs are the way that you can ground their thinking in this is how you could use that. This is where you will might use this learning is through doing something like this. Yeah. So and of course our, our last little bit about working Smarter. You did it right. I did it right. For I really had time. to. I know. I really had to think about it Copyright too. Copyright Disney. I don't know <laughs> if oh, I can do yep, that. Nope. Delete. 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 <laughs> <laughs> the the you know the the last thing in working smarter, not harder, is utilizing the resources that are available to you. Most districts have such an abundance of resources, or not even just that the district has, just by like with, with a quick Google search. There mm-hmm. are such an abundance of resources. Yeah. It can, it's harder just to wade through the resources than it is to find resources. Right. It, it can get overwhelming. So, mm-hmm. again, starting with starting small and building. Mm-hmm. But some of our favorite resources, you know, are, are, are the ones that are commonly used within your practice. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. tools like, for example, if yep. you're a G Suite for Education user, Google Classroom. Perfect way to utilize your tools to streamline your delivery of materials to students as well as what you're receiving from students right. we're lucky I, I think in both of our districts that not only are we g suite but we also have canvas yeah so. secondary level and a can- canvas is new in frisco teachers are, are learning it but it, it is a way to put your resources and i mean it can be so much more it's a learning management system and so you can use a whole lot of other tools within Canvas. I mean, you can also go out. I'm not, I don't want to be like a Canvas all type, <laughs> of, type of person. I'm not. But like you really, it, it's a tool that you have. Like when I was, when I hear teachers um, think about like how class sizes keep increasing or how, how am I going to reach all 28, 30 kids in my in my classroom and this is how you're going to do it Mm -hmm. like you're going to use your resources that you have around you maximize those those tools that you have so that you can be on every kid's screen when you need to be absolutely or put whatever learning they need right in front of them so you don't have to be the only person in the room who knows yeah you know one of the resources we have in Louisville is of course the ipad using a tool like apple classroom which isn't a learning management system so much as it is a device management system, mm-hmm. but it does have capabilities of being able to easily send templates yes. within Keynote and, and uh, ex- I'm sorry, I said almost said Excel, and numbers and pages to your students, as well as helping them navigate their device, helping them get where they need to go and opening bookmarks for them and really teaching the students that management of their device piece. I have not met a teacher who did not like Apple Classroom when they when they learned it. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, you're right. I haven't. No, I mean, I've I've heard teachers like want to do things with Apple Classroom that you can't really do because it's not really a learning management system. Uh-huh. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it was oh, this is so easy. This is so useful. Yeah. And this is, what I can do? What? Yeah. <laughs> so if you use an iPad as your learning tool, please yes. look into Apple Classroom. There, it is amazing. And and our you know your Chromebook classes have tools that do this too. I think we use this thing called Relay Lightspeed, and we're piloting in a few schools. And so that's a way for that. That's the way Frisco can do it. And I think a lot of districts are going to stuff. Gar- Go Guardian, I think, mm-hmm. is another yeah, one. Yeah, my and husband's district uses Go Guardian. Yeah. There's yeah, there's a lot a lot of them out there. Yeah. That, and and but I you know I also want to caution people on some of those things because a lot of those become a crutch you know where the teacher's like okay well i need to be looking at my apple classroom screen in order to make sure everybody and it kind of it does not take the place of walking around and it doesn't take the place of actual guidance one (laughs) of the things too that like for example with apple classroom you can lock them into an app so the students can't leave it or you can lock their screens so that they you know they have to listen to you Locking in an app, which I think is completely acceptable for maybe an assessment that you are doing, but students need to learn how to manage their devices and Mm -hmm. how to set those boundaries for themselves. Like, when is too much? When do I need to put it down? I need to stay focused on the task that I'm doing. And in school is one of the places that they learn that. So if you're always locking kids in certain tools, you're really doing them a disservice because they're not le- learning that self-regulation skill. Yeah. So. And I mean, next level, like you think about if you're, if you're in a meeting or something, the person running the meeting is most likely not going to tell everybody, put your phones up. You have to be on this one thing, paying attention 24-7. Like, mm-hmm. no, you're adults and you manage it. And so I think as students get older releasing some of that freedom onto them and letting them like i don't know answer a text back or you know send an email or whatever do something like that and but just still letting them know well it's your responsibility to get this done you have to have it done by this time Mm -hmm. and it's on you to make that happen and treat them like an adult and they're gonna rise to the challenge as they get older now you will have kids that don't and they will need (laughs) and they will need but you know what that's that also happens to us too when we're in meetings and we can't really tell an adult like you know put your phone up and focus on this presentation that i'm giving or focus on this thing i want you to like we can't do that either and so there's there's more persuading like we're we kind of keep keep them involved Mm -hmm. or ask them questions like there are other strategies besides i'm going to police you yes agreed and that's exactly 100 Mm -hmm. how i feel the same you know we can also Make sure that students know where to go to mm-hmm. find the things that you're using in class. Mm-hmm. Whether, and keep it consistent, And too. keep it consistent, whether yeah. that's always in your Google Classroom or always on your Canvas, or if you have a class website that the yeah. students know to go to. Mm-hmm. Making sure that your students know where to go is such a work smarter, not harder move because you are not stressing yourself out and the kids aren't coming up to you, wait, where do I find that again? Wait, where mm-hmm. is that? How can I get to that? Yes. If they know where to find their resources, they will find them. <laughs> yeah. 
And, you know, kind of earlier we talked about as a teacher, like you can use your, your peers to kind of help you streamline some of these things and work together. And so I think that's another thing you can do is let your students use each other. Uh-huh. You know, give them the freedom to go and talk to somebody about like what you're doing and what they did and how to get somewhere. Like if you really did change or add a tab or add a page or whatever to, to whatever it is that you're, you know, you're giving the materials to your digital materials to them, let the kids explain to other people how to get there and how to start it yep. and let it happen. And then that's the problem. Like kids want to do that anyway. Absolutely. You just got to let them. You just got to let them. And, and, and they feel very empowered in the fact that they're helping their peers mm-hmm. do something useful and something that is going to help them complete the work that is required yeah. of them. And like think about a kid who's really struggling with the content like, if he knows how to get somewhere, how much of a confidence boost that would be for him or her? Oh, yeah. Like, just, oh, I got it here. You just got to go here and do this one thing. And, and you're there. Like, just that, man, they just that would just help them out so much. It definitely would. It definitely will. And it gives you something to, like, praise them on as a teacher. Yes. Oh, like <laughs> we, we, I call them tech spurts, creating tech spurts. Yes. Sometimes being good at a particular technology tool is the only way they feel good in that day. And it's so empowering for them to be able to take charge of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the, I mean, there's some other, th- <laughs> kind of some other resources. You know, I think in, if you're using Chrome, which I highly recommend you do, you know, you can bookmark things and organize things in folders. We've talked about that a lot. Yeah. And that is something that I do to help keep myself organized and save clicks. Cause, I mean, nothing is so disheartening than, okay, I want to learn this new tool. So you got to go... For me, you got to go to FriscoIC.org, click on staff, and then click on this, and then click on this just to get, and then log in and remember your login. And it's like all of these steps just, just to get to step zero. Right. And it's like yeah. if you just had that bookmarked, you'd be there. Right. It's more than just the time because, right, like I don't think it really doesn't take a lot of time to, to go to FriscoISD to click here and click here. It doesn't take time, but it takes mental energy. Mm-hmm. And so you really want to put that mental energy on the actual thing that you're producing mm-hmm. or creating. And so I, I think that will help a lot too. Yeah. And I think it's also important to utilize the personnel that you have available to you, your coaches, your facilitators. I, speaking specifically for Louisville, my position is in no way evaluative. I am not coming in to gotcha or to see what you're not doing correctly or to tattle on anyone. Mm-hmm. Principals I, don't even ask. Yep. They don't even ask us <laughs> like what we think. <laughs> I am there to support you and to help you in any way that you need. So using facilitators and coaches is a great way to work smarter, not harder, because they can eliminate a lot of the roadblocks for you ahead of time. They can procure a lot of the resources for you ahead of time. Mm-hmm. They can really make the transition from, eek, this is scary, to, ooh, I can handle this, a right. smooth one. Yeah. I mean, and they've had experience with teachers who've probably tried that exact same thing you're thinking mm-hmm. about. So they can tell you what went well, what did not go well, right. they, what to prepare for. They just have a bank of, of places to go to get feedback from that yeah. you might not be you might not have access to just within your own classroom. And can I and can I just say like let's let's think about this realistically. Like teachers, the best teachers who have the, who can get the best references go to apply for jobs as facilitators and coach and tech coaches or whatever, right? And only the ones who have good references and and can talk that talk that they need to talk in the interview those are the ones that get the job right and so like why wouldn't you want to use these people <laughs> the chances are they're better at teaching than 
than just random person, random teacher that you know. Like the chances are, now you know they don't know your exact situation. Like I, I don't ever like go up to a teacher and feel like I'm better than them in any way. I, I don't. It's just different. Yes, like I have different, different experience, mm-hmm. but I definitely have teaching experience that I want to help you with, mm-hmm. right? Or at least you know consult with you about. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's always a misconception. Is that. I started in the classroom. You know what I mean? And yeah. a lot of people don't even realize that my passion we used to be teachers. is education and teaching children. I'm yeah. just using that passion in a different venue right now as an ITF. It was really hard for me to to go from teacher to ITF. Like I missed it because I oh, I yes. loved it having my classroom. I and missed just, my as I as I call them my babies. I miss that yeah. class of babies yeah. that belonged so, just to me. So I mean I can't speak for all ITFs or all DLCs, but you know we we do want to live vicariously through you. So yes, I covet <laughs> those relationships I make with some of those kids yeah. that see me and are like Mrs. Frazier, and I'm like oh it makes me feel so so loved. <laughs> yeah, so loved. Well, that kind of, I think, wraps up all of our our work smarter, not harder tips. Yeah. I have yawned so wide that I'm surprised my jaw hasn't unhinged because... I can, I mean, they don't really know that it hasn't, but I can can tell everybody, I can see Julia's jaw and it is not unhinged. I'm so sleepy. I'm usually tucked in bed by this time. Wow. Yeah, it's a late night for me too. <laughs> Which you don't even have small children. What's... I don't. I'm just very sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> I just have two cats and a husband um, that make me very sleepy. <laughs> All right, Sean. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, let's. This is episode nineteen. What? Nineteen. We're almost to our twenty sode. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> that's a thing. It is now. <laughs> the we 20- need to remember that and call it next time. <laughs> the twenty episode. So yeah. we appreciate you joining us this e- this day. Yeah. Whenever you, whenever you're listening to this, okay. tweet us. Uh, you can find me at at J Fraser. and I'm at Digital Vic. Ooh, and our podcast is at the Dig Dish. Yeah, but it looks like at the Dig Dish. <laughs> That's what it looks like. That. I think it sounds cooler. Okay. That's what I think when I see it. I well, bet I'm not the only one. I'm sure you're not. And we'll be coming at you hopefully very, very soon. Hopefully. <laughs> we will catch you guys on the flip side. Later. Bye. Bye. Bye.